And we welcome you inside this uh, first ever, at least with you and I, Jill, Sunday edition of the Sports Ethos Sacramento Kings podcast. Our schedules, or my schedule at least, is different to now where we get to we get to do this. We get to meet on a Sunday with drinks. I'm having a little wine. Jill's doing a little whiskey coke. We're we're kicking back and we're going to talk about we're not the Kings. We are not going to talk we're about the ourselves. Kings. We're going to enjoy <laughs> ourselves and we're going to enjoy the show by talking about football. And what was a crazy, just action-packed football weekend? Every game, the polar opposite, Jill, of super wild card, wild card weekend. When every game was fucking terrible, except for the Niner and Raider games. Every other game was war. It was a terrible game. Today was action-packed. Yesterday, we're going to talk about the Niners, and then we'll end the show with a little bit of Kings talk. And uh, Jill's going to give us one new name off her coaching list, as it's becoming clearer and clearer by every loss that Alvin Gentry is not going to be the guy. Uh, for anyone that ever thought he was. But let's start with football, Joe. Let's talk about something fun and cool, entertaining. Let's talk about how Jimmy Garoppolo is the best at winning games by doing when doing the bare minimum. That that's Smart. it. That that's he's just he's really good at throwing a slant. And as the game went along, you can tell Shanahan pointed that out and was like, all right. We can't throw very there's, well. Yeah. There's been We're, plenty of quarterbacks throughout the, the time right there. I mean, let alone if you have a messed up thumb and a messed up shoulder. Yeah. I don't want you doing more than like, because when he tried to do more, that's when he threw the interception, right? Yeah, like true. throwing off the back foot, like on the run, just throw it away. Like we don't need you to do more than like, it's the same thing that Alex Smith did while he was here. Right. Like, People killed him, and then he got a good team around him, right? Like, for the first time in his career. Um, and, you know, everyone to, wanted to call him the game manager, but he did enough. Like, they yeah. build around the really good defense, and he did enough to put the ball in his best player's hands um, and not screw up. And that's – Jimmy's really good when he does that, um, when he doesn't try and do more than that. Um, and that's okay. Like, like I said, I think there are plenty of quarterbacks throughout, throughout the years, um, that have done that, like just play within your means. And, uh, and sometimes that's all you need. If you have really good other pieces around you, we don't need him to go out there and be a Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Like that's not, um, they're hoping that's what Trey Lance will eventually be. Right. Like, um, they're hoping he's going to be that Allen type, um, guy with the arm and, and with the legs, like, we'll see if that happens. But, um, to me, like, I don't, I don't mind Jimmy as long as he plays within himself. Like he has shown his whole career. If he just plays smart and within himself, he wins. Like, that's why the record is what he is. He was on really good teams and just do what you have to do without throwing it away. <laughs> um, and, and you'll be fine. Like, I don't, again, like, as long as my team wins, I don't need them being some crazy stat number at the, it's the same thing I said about the Kings at the beginning of the year. Like when we were winning and people were complaining about Fox's numbers, like I don't care as long as they win. Right. Like right. it's um, end of the day, just get me the win. However you got to do it. <laughs> and to Jimmy's credit throughout his career, all he has done is win football games. Granted Jill, as you said, He's always been in good situations. And that's why I envy mm-hmm. Jimmy G. I look at his life and I'm thinking this guy is gorgeous, yeah. beautiful human being, funny, charismatic. All his players and teammates seem to like him. Uh, quarterback, of course, so you get all the attention. And not only does he start his career coming out of Eastern 
Illinois? Does he start out his career in in New England behind Tom Brady, the greatest ever in, in a, in a yeah. great organization? But then he gets to go to San Francisco and be the guy. And it's like the dude has been in two winning organizations in two great sports cities around some great minds, around some great talented players. The guy's had like everything but the media go his right. way. Because uh, the yeah. media will will disparage well, you quite and, a bit, and I think it speaks volumes that like even fans alone, right? Like we'll criticize and critique and all that, totally fair. Um, and media will do it, but to me, it speaks volumes because you see that a lot for for players, and a lot of people don't say anything, right? They don't stick up for someone, like they just don't address it. His teammates very much go out of their way to yeah. address it, address it, and and stick up for him, and I think that speaks volumes. Um, and that sense that, again, it doesn't really matter what we think It's if the team around him believes in him and, and thinks he can do it, then at the end of the day, um, that's all that matters. They're the one that's in the scrum with the guy, right. <laughs> when, it, when it all comes down. And to me, it just speaks volumes when players go out of their way, when they're not asked and, and speak up for him. Um, when you see other people just not just act like it's not happening, right? Like just don't address the elephant in the room type thing. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, it all, someone, how it all plays out. Someone tweeted someone in the Niners media. I, I, as a Raider fan, I don't care for the Niners and, and you know that Jill, but I, just always get stuck on these feeds on Twitter with all the Niners people because I follow you and I follow Damien and Damien and I follow Sean Holko and I follow all these Niner sure. fans uh, and I can't escape it. So I live with it now, but one guy did tweet out a very good point where he goes, Jimmy's out here, you know, doing his best to win. Although yesterday you could argue, you know, he was the reason they potentially wouldn't have won, but regardless, like Jimmy's playing in these playoff games, high stakes for it all when he knows he's not going to be the guy next year such a bizarre situation for a guy to be put in where he's out here. You're expecting him to try and help you win this, the Super Bowl, right? That's the goal. But yet you're going to take his job from him, you know, when the off season kicks off weird. It's a weird situation. Yeah, so what is Jimmy playing will, for? Jimmy's yeah. playing for himself. Really? He's playing for, and his teammates himself. And his yeah. And I think it speaks volume. Like it's, I think it's another reason that they act like they do away run him. You, it could very much have been a volatile situation the whole yeah. season. True. Um, and it wasn't like none of the players made it that way. And he especially didn't make it that way. And even from Lance's own word, like Trey Lance's own words, it, it was never been like that. He was one of the first people that called him was like, Hey, like end of the day, it's, it's us against everybody else. It's not you versus like me versus you type thing. Right. Um, and that's the way players should look out of it. Like you see it in every sport. There's always going to be competition and it's, how you react to the competition. Are you going to use it to make yourself better or are you going to use it to torpedo your whole team and the good ones use, use the competition to make themselves better. Um, so, you know, to me, kudos and for all involved in that situation, because it wasn't easy for Trey, like he didn't ask to be put in that position. Sure. Um, you know, and again, I'll say it's even similar to, to Fox and Halliburton and Mitchell, like what the three of them are having to deal with. Um, on a consistent basis. Same way. Like I would say Mitchell didn't ask for the Kings to draft him. They like him and his agent did not even think the Kings were on the radar because of, of what was going on. Um, and so, yeah, it's just one of those things of, I think it speaks volumes with about players and that kind of stuff of how they, they react to, um, 
Yeah. Some competition and things like that. So through their character. And I don't think anyone's ever judged Jimmy poorly on his character. He's always yeah. been a, a high character guy. And that's, yeah, it's been proven for sure this year. When you, in any case, you know, when a quarterback, the presumptive starter has a team that he's on draft, you know, the, the replacement or a rookie in the early rounds, you're thinking, how's this going to go? How are they going to react? Jimmy never seemed like it bothered Jimmy. Jimmy was no. there for the ride. And even this last week last when ride. everyone was saying he should not be playing. And yeah. he, he led his team to not like this one, but against the Rams. Yeah. He led his team to the winning drive at the end. Like, I mean, um, again, it, it's going to be the big games that define these guys as always. So um, how is he going to do against the Rams again? And then if he gets back, like, against possibly the Chiefs again in a rematch against Super Bowl, like, Super Bowl because they were, what, or 54. five minutes away from winning? He overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I mean, it was, you know, um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But I will say, like, I, I did, I had gotten comments too from people um, against the Rams one that he should have removed himself and he shouldn't even be out there because he's hurt. And I said, no player is going to do like, no, no player is going to take themselves out. Like, come on. I mean, the quarterback, especially these, these guys mm. live for this, right? Like they're playing until someone's ripping them out. <laughs> like, yeah. You'd um, hope so. Right. That's the yeah. guy you want. Um, um, so I got to make two, just two. Snarky little comments as the non-Niner fan between the two of us. Uh, one, don't forget, and I'm not saying this was you, Jill, but I remember on Twitter hearing quite a bit, a lot of Niner heads were calling for Shanahan's head during the season when they started out. Oh, as sure. They what have you done for me ripping lately? ripping that guy. Yeah, no, what so have you true. done for me lately? The guy who's done nothing but succeed as long as Jimmy's been quarterback since he's come to San Francisco, got torn to shreds in the beginning and was asked, you know, they were calling for him to get out. Now they're back in an NFC championship game for the second time with Shanahan. And then two, and, love him, so, yeah. and they love him. He's a great guy. He comes from a winning family. Uh, he's just got to get that Super Bowl now. The second thing is, I remembered for the like the two years that the Niners were bad. Everyone was saying how miserable it had been, and oh my God, I can't believe it. And then when they made it back to the Super Bowl in 19, everyone was like, to all those Niner fans out there that held strong through those tough years, those dark years, like this is for us. And I, I remember laughing because it's like, I'm a fucking Raider fan. Haven't yeah, seen shit um... since 02 when the Niners had couple bad years because Trent Baalke went insane and, you know, decided I don't want Jim Harbaugh. I want Jim Tom Sula. And then I want Chip Kelly. Yeah, that doesn't count guys. You were bad for four years, I think. And I'm this sorry. is what makes me laugh for, for as a Niner fan who never did that because I'm also fans of horrible teams. And so I know I've been lucky <laughs> watching been spoiled. The yeah. Um, it cracks me up. Cause I see, I mean, in these Lakers spaces <laughs> right now, I was listening right. to one tonight. It's like that. They're saying of how you don't know what it's like to be a Laker fan. And it's like, please. Oh, my um, God. But yeah, no, that always makes me laugh. And I hated when fellow. I, I don't like when fellow ones do that because it's it's dramatic. It's dramatic. It, it's five years. And now. I always wonder age and how how long they really have been. A sure. fan. You know what I mean? Like, right. So five, I believe that the number is five NFC championships in 11 years. Because uh, Harbaugh, obviously. Um, was tremendous. I'm still hoping the Raiders will get him. Yeah. Because I think he's a great I coach. I mean, and they had a long stretch prior to those Harbaugh years where it was. They were bad I mean, for a while it, there. It yeah. was brutal. But again, like I was a lucky one where I got to see, you know, I was around in the 90s. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've i been able since. The 94 you know, Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, I have a picture of Jerry Rice's rookie year holding me as a baby. Like I've been around since like, you know, 85, I've, I've seen it all. So, um, like everything you get up in the downs. Um, but yeah, in the last 11 years, it's you, we've had more, more good than bad. So, and, and really good, you know what I mean? Like getting to where you want to go. Um, they just haven't completed it. Um, right. It's the only, uh, it's the only downfall, but if they get to the Super Bowl this year, I feel, I don't even care who they're playing. Obviously chiefs are, are, uh, Bengals. I, although that's another thing too, either way, if the Niners make the Super Bowl, either way, it's a rematch. It just depends on what area you're Yeah. From. It's the Rams yeah. or the Niners and chiefs two years ago, a rematch, or you're going back to 1988. The last time the Bengals were in an AFC championship game it was also the last time they were in a Super Bowl. Right. And before I actually finish this, that I'm pretty sure that's correct. And then that's when the year they went and faced the Niners and lost. Yeah, I think so. Because the only other AFC Championship game was 83, and I know they the, the Niners and them didn't face in the Super Bowl that year. So yeah. I had to catch myself to make sure I wasn't lying there, but I'm almost certain I that's correct. I think you're on it. Um, so, yeah, that would be another rematch for an older generation of Niner fans. Yeah, and and I think I grew up in a household, I don't know, maybe different than ones around here, where um, I didn't grow up like where I'm a 49er Giants, right, Kings fan, but – I grew up in a family too, where there was no teaching us to hate the Raiders, the Warriors, the A's. Like it was like minus the Warriors and, and the Kings, like it was always like, well, they're not in our division. Like unless we're playing them in the world series, like that's next closest team, like, and, and I'll root for you. And I had plenty of friends that, that were fans of them. And so I always wanted to like, if I wasn't succeeding, I wanted to see their team, you know, like when, sure. and I would go to games with them to, you know, to games where just being a love of the sport where um, it was just don't like LA teams or like Dallas, like that was never essentially um, who you didn't like. And so, um, and then having family in Vegas now, like, right. They, they go to games and you know, they're 49er fans, but they enjoy going to and watching football. So they're go to go to the Raiders game and, and support their town or whatever, you know sure. what I mean? And so, um, and they know people that work there and things like that. So it's, I mean, once you get in a community like that, um, I think it's easy to, to do that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'll never wish ill will on, um, well, thank you. on you. Like I, I will. <laughs> it's just cause, so, yeah. I, I and, and I know people that totally do and, and that's, you know, I come from a place of cool. poverty in terms of my sports, my football fandom, sure. of course. Um, I've been spoiled as a Giants fan. So I acknowledge that when the Giants had their couple years, obviously, that they were bad. I just remember, like, I saw them win a World Series when I was 11 years old. Some people, you know, Cubs fans went their whole lives right. without never, ever getting to watch them win a World Series. So, And I just like I know I'm sense. lucky in the King side where I got to see – you know, the eight years that they were good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really, people I didn't get did, that. Not. did not. Um, and so it's, you know, I feel bad for the ones that have never seen it in their lifetime. That's sad. <laughs> like, that makes me sad. Yeah. That makes me sad. But that still happens for any sport that there's still. And I'm hopeful <laughs> with um, the Raiders, at least. I'm hopeful they'll build on their playoff appearance this year amongst mm-hmm. the only odds. I really did think, though, I'd convinced myself at my Sports Center update. Um, you know, I'd love when to they see make, Adams go there. Honestly, I, would too. I think that would be really cool. I would be huge, and a lot of it will obviously depend on what happens with Rogers, and then what happens with the Raiders, who what they do. 
But uh, I really thought when they made the playoffs after everything that happened, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. They're going all the way. Like, this is a team. I feel like that has, to, and I tweeted it, you know, team of destiny. Had a good story, like, right? Yeah. I was like, the story is too good that I feel like it has to happen. And it's crazy now with watching how disappointed the Titans were. Cause if the Raiders had beaten the Bengals, they would have gone to Tennessee. And I think they would have beaten the Titans. The Titans were just underwhelming as hell. Uh, and Derek Carr can play good when he's in the warmer climates. You know, he can kind of sling it, which was the problem in Cincy. But Any given day. Any, any given, given day. day. And the Bengals yep. have kind of lived by that motto because no one thought they'd be here. And here they are going to Kansas City. They are the seven a touchdown underdog. Don't think they give and a they shit. And they have a bunch of good young players that aren't scared of anybody. And sometimes no, that's, they got nothing you know, to lose. And I think it's going to be interesting because this was one game where the Chiefs stars showed up, right? And they had it all been showing up mm. the last, you know, how many weeks it's like one was or two were, but not three. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm really curious to see how the Bengals come in there. Um, and if everyone shows up for the Chiefs, like, and can the Bengals handle that and keep keep up that we don't care who you are, like, we're coming to punch you, you know, right. and face first um, type deal. So. Yeah, I would love to see it for the young team like that. I'd like seeing oh, yeah. teams that haven't been there in a while, too. Like, I think that's why I was I like Josh Allen. And I thought that would have been cool for Bill's fans. Who, Absolutely. You know, um, we're so close. I, I like seeing those underdogs. So it would be a cool story, it, let alone how the Bengals hadn't won a playoff. Right. Game in like 20 something years um, to let alone win two. And then to go to the Super Bowl would be pretty damn awesome. And the team that they I feel like, I mean, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention, but enough i don't think enough was said about the fact that the team that they beat to snap the, the streak of without playoff loss playoff wins was the team that the streak started with they lost to the la raiders in 91 and bo jackson hadn't won since and then they end the streak in the next matchup they they have against the raiders in the playoffs so it's kind of you know so a very crazy. full yeah. circle thing sports are crazy uh the Bengals gave up 10 sacks joe burrow got sacked 10 times and they still won which is absolutely bonkers to me and if that happens again against the Chiefs, they will lose by 100. So <laughs> I really hope they make some sort of – I don't know what they can do, but that offensive line is the one thing that gives me anxiety watching them because Joe, Joe, you give Joe Burrow time, he will tear you apart. Mm-hmm. But – On one leg. He was, I mean, there were games where he was doing where he's limping out there and still the man still is checking so cool. the ball out. And it is yeah. nice that it is the Chiefs that they face now because if it was Bengals, Bills, Jill, I don't know who I would have rooted for. Those are the two coolest quarterbacks in the NFL, and I would have no idea who to root for in that matchup. So now it's easy. Bengals all the way. But let's finish up with the Rams, uh, the Niners, who now face the Rams. Uh, Jamico Ryan is now a very, very, very hot head coaching candidate. And if they can beat the Rams and get to the Super Bowl, Jill, that dude is going to 100% be a head coach by the start of next season. Uh, I know the Raiders are interviewing him. The Vikings are asking to interview him. He, what he's done with that defense in his first year as the defensive coordinator, first year ever calling plays in, in, in the NFL. Cause he was a middle linebacker. He played for a long time. Yeah. Very and good young. Line. Yeah. Very young. Uh, he he's a good dude. He's a, and he's a brilliant mind and he's absolutely should be a head coach this off season. Uh, because you got that former player aspect and that's a, that's a hot commodity, especially in this era of football players. You want the guy that can relate to them, right? The guy that played and he didn't play that long ago. He retired like five years ago. Very recent. I remember watching it on the Texans. Yeah. Guys Guys respond respond to him. him. And that secondary is not great. And 
he's still that they figure out ways to <laughs> everything together <laughs> yeah. to where it they shut out Aaron Rodgers. No touchdown passes for after A-Rod. getting blown the first series, and then it was like never happened. Nope, nope. And the special teams. I was shocked because uh, I was expecting that first kind of series kind of game, like for most of it. Tone, yeah. With with once we found out two of them, two of our um corners were going to be out like right before the game it was like oh shit like here yeah. we go no it was incredible um, and then the first series and it was like oh god and then yeah it was like it never happened it was it's crazy the Packers special teams unit let alone against Devontae Adams like yeah against Devontae Adams uh Packers special teams unit was the worst in the league in the regular season holy shit they somehow were worse in the postseason they even they had 10 guys they there was a timeout and you still had 10 guys on the final kick like it's incredible thank you incredible thank you (laughs) i mean sometimes you don't even necessarily win the game by beating the opponent the opponent just beats themselves and you just stay out of their way yeah and and uh, and willis who was who had been like hurt was the one that was the one that blocked and then made the block to get the guy to get to the final block like where he caused both blocks. So it was, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. No, nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, we, I think yeah. great game. Yeah. All of your game was a great game and we could talk forever about him, but we just want to move it was quickly. A fun weekend of football. I think everybody, fun had weekend fun, of football. So, you know, and that's a little bit more exciting. <laughs> and if you don't feel bad for Josh Allen, who was 13 seconds away from the AFC yeah. championship game in Buffalo in the freezing cold, you just know it would have been yeah. snowing and like four yeah. degrees. Just uh, kick some seconds off man on that kickoff. Oh, yeah, guard Travis Kelsey. Don't play prevent defense because what happens when you play prevent Jeez. defense, Jill? Yeah, so many what ifs. So many, so many what ifs. ifs. Um, but we still love Josh Allen. At least I do. Jill does too. You just said that. So I we do. Look, this he's, is Josh he's Allen my, podcast. He's my Q. He's my QB in in my dynasty league. As soon as I Smart. took over the team, I traded for. I traded Garoppolo for. I Easiest. don't know how the person yeah. accepted that. I was gonna say. I think I added a pick in there, but it's the easiest. I trade think of God all they time. did, and and it was after his rookie year, which didn't go all that. But I saw the potential and mm-hmm. I wanted it and best move. <laughs> uh, without question. You yeah. are a genius for that. And that other person I will hold back from saying mean things. Uh, Rams and Niners. So the opening line, the it's going to be in LA, of course. The Rams are the three and a half point favorites. However, as everyone knows, especially if you're a Niner fan, the Niners have won six straight games against Sean McVay's Rams, including the last game of the regular season that got them in the postseason. The Rams wouldn't even need to face the Niners if they had just won that game. In, the, in L.A., in Week 18, This they wouldn't even have to worry about it. But now, you let the team in, and you have to face the team to get to the Super Bowl. And, and a chance to play on your home field, which I keep forgetting that the game's in L.A. So the Rams have a chance here to play back-to-back games at home if they can beat the Niners. So, crazy game that we have ahead of us next weekend. Very excited. I will say I am a huge fan of Matthew Stafford. I, I'm so happy for the guy to get his chance at, to, for success. The throw he made to Cooper Cup to get him in field goal range to win the game. Absolutely fucking perfect. The dude, the dude when it matters, can absolutely sling it because uh, people were questioning him at points in the year. So, I don't care who wins the game, Jill. I, I, I think it would be great if the Niners went back and Jimmy can maybe get a ring before he dips out of San Francisco. And then the Rams, if they win, Matthew Stafford gets a Super Bowl appearance. So do you want to make any, uh, before we shift over to the coaching candidate thing, do you have any keys or expectations or things you want to say? We'll, we'll circle back at the end of the week before the game, of course, and talk about it. But 
Do you think they can win? First off, are you feeling confident about the six game win streak? Or do you not care um, about that? I think you, I think you can win. I, like I said, I think any given day it's, um, it's anybody's game. And so I, I'm always confident going in. Yeah. Not overly confident, but I'm confident. Um, You're very because I also fan. believe in. I'm I'm not trying to jinx anything either. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, it's I'm just excited, excited for it. Another game, live to see another game. And it's not often you see. And I, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm not doing any research on saying this, but not often you see division rivals, bitter, bitter rivals, get the chance to duel it out to get to the Super Bowl. These, these type of matchups don't usually fall into place very often. So that's what another added layer that's here. And then McVay versus Shanahan. I know the, the whole, yeah. So which they'll talk about all week, uh, as I did with LaFleur, yeah. Shanahan, and McVay. Like, yeah, week. I saw a lot of 40 fellow 49er fans already saying stuff. And I'm like, do not do, you know, this when you do that, it does not end well. So stop. Like, <laughs> they are afraid stop, of stop the, jinxing anything. Stop jinxing. Like, just let it go. Right. Just let it play. They um, are afraid of a Niner invasion, yeah. though, in SoFi yeah. Stadium. So funny. So it's funny. Good. But it's I'm already stuff. seeing people are able to buy tickets. So I don't, maybe whatever they did didn't work, or because you can pay for it through PayPal that you can still do it. So I don't know. So it's like a, I take um, those. I don't know. I take yeah. some of that news because I feel like that's been a, a hot topic throughout the postseason with not just the Niners, but like I remember yeah. there's a it's gonna be North- who wants to pay eight hundred dollars to go. Right. For a nose. Because <laughs> that's like the cheapest ticket right now. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Uh LA for you. The Bengals, someone was sharing when the Raiders and Bengals were before they played that the the Bengals were worried about Raider fans buying stuff up and it was like a tweet from the page and everyone was sharing it and I was like, that can't be real. And it wasn't, and it, I don't think there was even many Raider fans at the game in Cincinnati. I don't think there's many Raider fans in Ohio. Yeah. Um, but like I just remember that but was actually, circulating. Yeah. I saw a wife of uh of a Rams personnel who was like, I will buy any ticket you want to sell. And right. then Joe Staley like quote tweeted her and was like, I will buy any ticket you want to sell. <laughs> <laughs> we want to play that game. Let's do it. Joe's got uh, money. I'm just like, I know. So it's just like, yeah. Get your money. Get your money, Rams fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get in there. It's still not the right, you know, uh, it, any, but, any LA yeah. fan that tries to say that it's the Ram city, it, it, it'll never be the Ram city. It'll definitely never be the charger city, but it'll always be the Raiders city. And then you'll get a lot of Niner fans in LA. Like we'll see next weekend. We already know. It's like you see during any, any kind of uh, rivalry game like that. It's always, yeah. It's going to be like great. when the, like when the giants play in San Diego too, you always see it. Sure. Um, yeah. Even in Colorado to an extent, like when it's becomes like division rival stuff, you'll always see um, people travel. So yeah, it's going to be, do you want to pay or not? That that'll be the, um, that'll be the kicker. One last note for great. Just, if you ever wonder, you know, how the NFL is today, how it's all shifted Four fantastic offensive minded head coaches are the last ones standing. Not a coincidence guys. That's just, that's how it works. The, the last defensive coach left Sean McDermott, obviously just lost in his defense, gave up 552 yards. Uh, never going to win a game doing that. So yeah, I the think it's something offense. to be said for for the young, the young, exciting minds, right? Of the game mm-hmm. are the ones that that lasted. Besides yeah. Holmgren, like I mean, and that's just I mean, besides Andy Reid, and that's yeah. just I mean, um, Holmgren's a deep cut, but I, I know I mean, there's yeah. a similar but players, no Andy Reid coaches. Like, I was just looking at a tweet, and that's that got me. Um, yeah. And so no, Andy, like, I mean, dream. 
and it reads Andy Reid. So, I mean, that's no surprise. No, but for yeah. the other ones, like it's, 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 you know, the young, exciting, um, which always makes me laugh because when you hear about the interviews and stuff going on and you end up seeing like older guys get picked again or moving around and it's, and they didn't choose some of the younger ones who have been showing success. I'm just like, but why? Like, yeah, take the swing. Zach Taylor is a coach that's not going to get, cause you, cause you are with Andy Reid. You have Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are the other three coaches. They're all going to be talked about. They all do get talked about quite a bit. Zach Taylor's incredible because he's the youngest of the group. Actually, no, I think him and McVay might be like the same. Zach Taylor's 38 years old was on Sean McVay's coaching staff. The last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl. he was the quarterback's coach. Um, that's why he became the Bengals coach was he was, you know, a trendy, like new McVay type of guy worked under McVay. Are you looking up how old McVay is? I was, I was looking at both of their ages. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Zach Taylor's 38 and Zach Taylor was a quarterback in college for the university of Nebraska. Yes. 38. Yep. Um, and then uh, was a practice squad player for the bucks under John Gruden in his last year at Tampa Bay. And then was also in the uh, 36 McVay's 36. Oh okay, my God. So- he's a year younger than me. That, like, he was born in 86. I was born in 85. That makes me feel like so <laughs> underaccomplished. Yeah. Well, when you compare yourself when you to see that, Sally, hey, yeah, like- <laughs> that's what you get. Uh, um, yeah, no, but like, it's crazy, right? I mean, it's what here's even crazy, but which, too. which will go into who I'm going to talk about later for a coach. Like, yeah, we're about to get yeah. to that. Uh, I'm just trying so. to give Zach Taylor love because no one will, uh, his head coaching record cumulative. Because this is third year now. He's in Cincinnati, and now they're going to the title game. His head coaching record is 16, 32, and one. He has a winning percentage of 337 or 337, but he's 2 and 0 in the postseason, and they're in the AFC championship game. And they won 10 games this year. They won the AFC North. Incredible. And guy, I will say, and he, took, he took them over at their worst, though, right? But yep. they, but it's been trending up. Like, trending up. I mean, I, and that's, I will say with him, like for, to me that the record is deceiving in that sense, where it Very was much. like, you needed, you still needed that year, right. To and bro to got hurt Burrows, last year. right. Yeah. Like, and then once you got him, you saw the trend up, like yeah. once he's, they've added talent, you've seen him utilize that talent very well. Right. So, and um, the Bengals too, yeah. their general manager, they are a bizarre for people that don't know a whole lot about the Bengals, which I don't blame you if you're not from Ohio. They have the smallest front office in all of the NFL. They've always been like that. Mike Brown, their owner, uh, who's the son of the founder of not only the Bengals, but the Cleveland Browns. That's why they're called the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, because they're named after Paul Brown. Uh, his son, Mike Brown, who's like 90, has always believed that the people that run his organization need to be small, close-knit, like the same people. You know, not Don't make change unless change really needs to be made. That's why Marvin Lewis was the coach forever. So Duke Tobin, who's not even technically the GM, he's like the executive of, well, actually, I think he's tech, this title might be GM, but he's like the only voice, really. You know, they have not many other people in the building with Duke Tobin. Executive of the year. I mean, really, truly, he's done a great job. Uh, it helps when you can get Burrow and Chase. And hasn't really missed, drops. right? Like, no, I mean, it's the past it's, two drafts have been very good. It's worked. Why they're, why they're good. Credit to them. Yeah. Credit to them. Credit to them. It's a good uh, working relationship so far. Yeah. Between the all Ra- involved. The Raiders are looking at uh, Tobin's right-hand guy. This is off topic, but I would yeah. be hyped if they I'm got like him. the Kings. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, pick from the teams that have success. It's usually how it works. All right, Jill. That's enough football talk. Um, great, great games again next weekend. Rams, Niners, Bengals, yeah. Chiefs. 
Football never dies. Always great. Yeah. The Kings are dead, so those, but we're going to yeah. talk about them. So we saw this weekend Halliburton had his jersey retired um, at cool. his high school. So that was cool. And it looked like a lot of the his teammates went, which I saw some people say that was kind of weird. But the Warriors just had one not that long, like a week or two ago, where they they went for the same kind of thing for, for someone that was having their jersey thing. So you've seen it a couple times now, um, and teams seem to be going. My more worry was, oh, God, like, are we going to have health and safety stuff again? Yeah, that's what um, I would understand. But at this point, oh, well, like, they're they've been around they're enough. congratulating you know it's a team thing so it's it's cool i get it um i mean is it any different than them being in a stadium full of people playing i mean at this point it's not much you know what i mean like there's not right. much of a difference and so uh it was cool they got to be there for that and then um with no fans in the stands last year right um Halliburton didn't get to get that homecoming game. So it was cool where they said that he had 500 friends and family um, attend the game last night. So that was very um, cool. We love seeing that for guys. Right. So that was cool. And they kept showing his mom and dad, um, you know, all excited after plays and things like that. And you could see him have a different kind of attitude to being, being there where he's, you know, gets to play in front of all those people. That's um, that's cool. And, you know, the, uh, the Bucks didn't have Giannis and <coughs> Grayson Allen, but uh, still have plenty of good players. And so they were able to, yeah, and that, um, not to take your care best, of business. Your best and player so, doesn't face uh, the Kings. Yeah. So the Kings have lost three in a row. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the trade stuff. And at this point, they're 18 and 30. <laughs> um, they are not close. Um, they are, I think, three games back now because um, Portland won tonight. So I think they're three games back of, of the 10. And Portland's doing all this without Dame, and they just got CJ back. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what see they do go. because Dame even said, like, I'm not going to come back if they're going to be trying to play for a draft pick. Like, they're because he said, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to go in there and play half ass because the team's trying to, to lose like, sure. which I, I respect, right. That that's always been my kind of thing about when, you know, with Fox that it's like, well, you might as well sit them because no player is going to go out there trying to lose. Do you know what I mean? Like, so either get rid of all the talent, the talent, the overpaid older vets around them, mm-hmm. and maybe you won't have enough talent to win. Like you're not winning now. So it doesn't really matter, but it's, it's always hard selling. You're not going to sell players on, no player or coach out there is ever going to go out there and try to lose, especially no. if they're on the hot seat. Right. <laughs> um, or if they've never made the playoffs, like that's, it's not the player's job to do that. It's the front ready. It's, it's not a player and, and coach's job out there to go lose. Like that's never there um, and never should be. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I know James Ham wrote an article today saying, um, you know, everyone's kind of waiting for the, the Sixers, right. To make, to do something. And then many think that the dominoes will fall from that because so many teams want to be involved as like the third, the fourth team, you know, to try and get pieces from, from teams involved. Um, and the Kings have very much been trying to be in those talks, but at this point with all the teams having to wait for that, have the Kings kind of now 
waited themselves out of even attempting to make a big splash now. And it should you now just go be selling your, your vets, which people wanted them to do um, last year, right? You keep Halliburton, you keep Fox and you take what you can get for your buddy, for your Barnes, you know what I mean? Get those money off the books and see if you can get a young player, um, maybe a pick back um, and set yourself up for a a top pick and, um, you know, assets that could be movable, right? Even if you're not going to keep those guys that you get for Buddy or Barnes, they're still then, are they, you know, like with Buddy before, can you turn them into two players? And then maybe those two players could be assets um, elsewhere. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, because you're every, you're three in a row now of losing, like you're knocking yourself down. So even if you were trying to make that home run swing, there's not enough game. Like you're not going to be able to dig yourself out of that hole, even by making that swing. Um, And so at what point, um, or, you know, do you try and go after the Pacers, right? Go in that one because those guys are hurt. And so they're having to sit out right now. So you could get that talent, but you're getting it for maybe next year and not, and not this year. So you have the top pick plus, plus getting um, a talent coming back next year. So there's where you're thinking. Um, there's, there's a, there's options. So again, it's who the hell knows what's, what's going to happen. And who knows if the playoff mandate that we've all heard is that has been there from ownership is still there. Um, or does Monty think that like, we just don't know. And we won't know until a move is made um, or not made. All we know is that um, they've lost three in a row and it's not working. And, but I'm, but I'm still looking at these other teams, right? Like, the Hawks, right? The Hawks made the trade, you know, the Cam Reddish trade with the Knicks. Um, Bogdan is still out, right? He he was hurt, and then he was out in protocols, and so he hasn't been there for weeks, right? Um, but the Hawks have won four in a row, um, and we know that they have players on the market. Like, if they think that they now have – they're trending up, could they be looking at making, you know – a deal somewhere. Um, cause we've kind of heard them talked about with the Sixers as well. So, um, it's, um, yeah, for, for teams that think that they should be better than where they are. Um, you know, they, do they become buyers then, and then you start being sellers and not buyers because there's other, t- it then becomes the Lakers thing where you have people who you're not, you're not the fire sale or the, um, last ditch effort where people know you're in a corner and they can get the best of you. Mm -hmm. The one thing about the Lakers deal that worked out for the Kings is it wasn't the Kings that were in the position of need. Yes. They'd been trying to get off buddy, but the Lakers were the ones that really wanted them prior to LeBron saying, I want Westbrook. Um, They actually, they needed healed more than we needed to necessarily get rid of him. Um, And you're seeing how that played out. They all are saying that they were, they, are mad that, you know, they didn't take that deal instead type thing. Um, and so that's where the Kings got the better end of the deal, right. Was by, was by being the seller and they were going to get the better, better end of the deal. And so, um, if there's a team out there that is becoming a buyer, um, could you then get that kind of deal again? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're all we're all waiting for the chips to fall, for the dominoes to fall. And I, I hadn't thought about the fact that, well, I guess, you know, it, it's somewhat obvious. 
that the Sixers were really the ones kind of holding everything up, you know, kind of being the assholes here. Like we're all waiting for something cool or something exciting. And the one team that is going to set off the fireworks hasn't bought the fireworks or just has no interest. And so it's, uh, it's just boring. That's why I've just lost all interest. It's like nothing else is really happening in the NBA. That's exciting me outside of the Kings. Which is why, which is why you've seen a couple um, articles like in this last week saying, are people going to get sick of trying to get, you know, the held hostage from, you know, the Sixers in the sense of they keep asking for the world and no one's going to give it to them. Well, all these, all these, you know, three, four teams that were interested in, in Simmons or something like that. Could those teams then get together and work something else amongst themselves? Do you know what I mean? And say, well, fine. Like we're going to pivot because we can't wait anymore. Right. Um, and is there something within those teams that, that could get done? Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see if teams completely wait them out or if they start saying, screw it and start working together. Um, and, and then that might force Maury to, to make it, you know what I mean? Like similar to how the news got out that the, the Lakers and the Kings were talking and it forced the wizards hand in a sense, um, you know, could, could it force the Sixers to do something if something gets close enough with these other teams? Um, so Maury's out here saying that there's a trade that can be done with the Sacramento Kings. We don't know what that trade is. We don't know what he means. Well, I will we say, did you, listen, did you listen to the radio? No, I just saw that. Okay. That, okay. That's where it was completely deceiving. Okay. I listened to it and he, he talked about how he didn't, he wants the star. He doesn't want the multiple, just a couple good players because he doesn't think that that's going to make enough of a difference. Mm. He could just be speaking whatever. And so then the radio guy said, well, the one that, you know, was going around yesterday and it was by like some weird like names. So they were laughing about like ball sack sports or something like that. Like It was something ridiculous. Like, oh, well, if they report it yeah, um, and he said, well, if the King's deal was really on the table, would you take blah, blah, blah. And he wouldn't take the bait. Like he was like, well, you know, like I can't do it. And he's like, no, if this deal was there and he was like, well, sure. There's, there's deals with, with them that that could work, but mm. there'd also need, I would most likely need to include a third or fourth team, blah, blah, blah. Like that was, so it was not like, he didn't go out of his way to say like, Oh, well, no, there's a deal with the Kings. It was, the guy kept throwing out the Kings and is there something? And he's like, well, sure, there could be something there, but there's also the things there with 29 other teams. And if I did something with them, I'd probably need more teams involved. So, I mean, it wasn't, it was very deceiving and as usual for clicks. Um, and it was, yeah. And so, cause I did see a lot, of, I saw comments like, oh, well, he was calling Monty out and all this stuff. Like it was not that at all. Um, it was the radio host that was pushing the rumor deal and his thing even said where like, yeah, sure. But it would have to include other teams. I mean, he was like, there's it, to me, it was like, well, yeah, there, they don't have that star that I want. Right. Like it would have to include um, other things or a crap load of picks or like all this stuff. So, um, you know, who knows at the end of the day, but it wasn't, it was very much like not Sacramento based. <laughs> um, for those that didn't listen to the radio, like that's um, just no, like it wasn't him calling out the Kings. Cause I, I laughed at that first too, until 
I actually listened to the actual thing. And then it was like, oh, well, that was stupid. It wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't even like that. Right. So. Misleading. Uh, okay, Jill. What is the one name you want to share with us today? Tonight. Uh-oh. We're recording. All right. I have no idea. I, I'm, I've actually been trying to, in my head, think of names that you might be. So, um, yeah. So we've seen a lot of head coaches go down, right? Um, because of COVID. And um, this gentleman, young gentleman, uh, was actually supposed to coach against us because of that. And I think he ended up going out also in health and safety that same day, if I'm not mistaken. Or he might have coached against us and then gone out the next one. But it's David Adelman. It's Rick Adelman's son. Um, and Yay. so for, for those that don't know. I'm already a um, fan. Yeah. He, uh, he's, an, he's the lead assistant for um, Denver. So, okay. So he's the son of Hall of Fame coach, uh, Rick Adelman. Also the only coach to truly see success in the sac- for the Sacramento Kings in the Sacramento era. Yeah. Um, he, it would give very similar vibes to... Um, what's happened in Washington with Wes Unseld and taking over a team that his dad, right, was a legend and Hall of Famer on. Um, so it's it's a cool full circle in, in that kind of sense. He's only 40. And this is what I mean. He's only 40, but he's actually spent 11 years on an NBA staff. So 29 at 31. Yeah. <laughs> Um, at 31, he, uh, he got his first gig. So 11 years on NBA staff. What? Oh no. Yeah. Sorry. That, 29. I was like, that and and me sorry. Off. And then 30, he's 10 on an actual NBA bench. So 29, um, got it. We got hired in the NBA and then 10 on an, as an actual, like assistant on the bench. So at 30 years old, he was, he got his, he got his first assistant gig. So obviously we know he grew up around his dad and on the court, um, he played high school college basketball and instead of playing in college, he actually started coaching um, as an assistant with his high school coach that he just played for. So the year after he graduated, um, he went to college, but then became an assistant coach of his high school um, basketball team. So like what, 19, 18, 19, now so gets his first um, assistant coaching gig. So he then spent eight seasons, um, sorry, not eight seasons, five seasons, probably all while he was in college, um, coaching with his high school coach before he moved on and got his first full-time head coaching gig at a, um, fellow, uh, high school. So he was 24, 24. So eight, so 18, when he got his first assistant gig, um, and 24, when he got his first head coaching gig, my so, age. It was my age. it's crazy. So he spent five seasons as an assistant and then another five now um, as a full head time coach um, for the, let me see for the Lincoln Cardinals. So in those five seasons, he went 83 and 53. So he had an over 600 winning percentage, led the Cardinals to three Portland interscholastic district championships um, in 06, 07, 09, 10, and 10, 11. He also guided uh, Lincoln um, to the Oregon Class 6A State Championship Finals in 2009 um, and was named the Portland Interscholastic um, League Coach uh, three different times, Coach of the Year three times. So during his five years, he was voted Coach of the Year three times um, in Portland. Um, So obviously did well there. Um, He actually credits working... um, 
his time working with those young high school players as um, allowing him to now build better relationships with the young guys that are um, coming into the league now. Uh, you know, we've seen that kind of, we kind of see that from ex players and things like that, where it's they a lot of times they have that good relationship. And so um, I think for him right away, working with, you know, um, what, 15 to 18 year olds, like he still has that um, building block of, of working with young young players, attitudes, things like that. So he said um, he knows it's not just about the X's and O's, but um, as his dad taught him as well, but building a place where players are comfortable and have a space, um, a safe space to grow themselves. So obviously not just about winning and losing X's and O's, but being comfortable in your environment and your culture and having a safe space to, to be able to improve, to be bad, to be, you know what I mean? To be everything and develop. So um, after the five years there, uh, the next season, he joined his dad's staff on, um, on the Timberwolves. And it wasn't as a, as an assistant, it was actually as a player development coach. Um, so Rick said that he actually had reservations about wanting him to come and coach with him in the NBA, just because he knew how hard and taxing it could be. Um, but he said, David wanted to do it so much. And he also like, he saw it and he saw enough in his kid where he said, if I didn't see it, if I didn't see this in him, I wouldn't have allowed it to happen, but I saw it. And, um, so he brought him on. So that was, um, Rick's, uh, so he joined us for, for the one year under his dad, he was a player development coach. The next year it ended up being Rick's last season there. Um, but he actually moved him actually onto the bench, um, with Rick. So it only took him one year as a player development coach. And then he actually got a bench spot. So, I mean, I think that speaks volumes. As Rick said, he had reservations of it and he wasn't going to put him in situations that he didn't feel like he could succeed or didn't earn. Um, and I also think it speaks volumes that that being Rick's last year, um, Flip Saunders, who was there, um, obviously we know took over, rest in peace. Um, he kept David um, and kept him on the bench with him. And then actually... Um, had him serve as the head coach in summer league for three seasons. So um, again, we usually see head coaches giving um, the summer league coaching spots to people. They think that will eventually it's people that end up being head coaches, right? Like Never if you get a summer league coaching spot, yeah, it, it ends up being a lot of times like their first opportunity of getting that taste as a head coach. Um, we've seen Becky do it. Um yeah. You said Jesse, um, Bobby Jackson. That was a joke about Jesse. That just, um, no, but, but he's a top assist. Like he's a number one assistant in Orlando, like right now. I mean, that's, um, is that where he is now? uh Uh Yep. Um, and then, um, I'm drunk. Jason March, um, on, uh, who was on David Yeager's staff. He always took over for ours. And then he's the head coach for the Julie Hustle or for the Memphis hustle now. Um, so he went back to Memphis. He was there before, came here, went back. Um, but again, you're seeing, you know, guys take these spots. Uh, Atlanta puts Chris Jens there, who everyone loves Chris Jens and is great player development. Um, so again, so getting that summer league coaching thing, people kind of laugh, might laugh at it or think it's not a big deal. But in from studying this kind of stuff, like it's it ends up being um, a big deal and it's an accomplishment for they think that you're capable of that because a lot of times it's 
you're getting your rookies and then you're seeing if these guys that can make it into NBA, right. You're, you're offering contracts to. So, um, Flip Saunders thought he was good enough and had him coach there for, you know, for three years. And then he was the, uh, the summer league coach. Um, he worked with guys like, um, Zach Levine pre trading to the bulls, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and then in 16 and 17, he moved to, um, Orlando and actually became an assistant with Frank Vogel, another good coach. Um, and Frank had good years there. He was actually only there for a year before Mike Malone poached him with a, um, uh, opportunity to be on his bench with a promotion, he would become the number two. Um, so it was then Mike Malone, Wes Unseld and David Adelman. So Mike was, was the head coach. Wes was over the defense and David was over the offense. So essentially you had Mike and then two coordinators, um, as, as you will say. And so, um, we all love Mike Malone. So it speaks volumes that he again, poached David from Orlando and, um, since 17 and 18, since David Adelman has taken the helm of the Nuggets offense, they have finished in the top 10 every season. Um, and even this season with all their injuries, right. They're missing like almost their whole starting five minus Jokic, like have been right in and out. Um, they've had one of the worst injury, like injury teams in the league. Uh, they're still top 14. So again, like they didn't plummet, right? And yes, it helps to have a Jokic, but it also helps to have a coach that knows how to utilize Jokic and, you know, puts him in these situations because how they used him from his first year to like how they've used him now has, has evolved. Um, and so again, they're still the top half of the league, even with losing all this, you see the Kings, right? They've completely fallen off um, and they have everybody. So uh, credit to, to David and Denver for, the system and, and keeping it going. So he says he believes in his father's offensive philosophies. Um, no shock there <laughs> that relies on all five players being engaged in every possession, moving the ball quickly and remaining aggressive as they read and react. Imagine that it's not five guys standing around. It's actually five guys cutting, moving. But again, I realize you also have to have players that know how to read and react that the game that they're seeing. Um, and that's something we've always questioned on our end, if we have players capable of doing that. So I um, that's, yes, that's you it. can have the coach, but you also need players that can buy in, believe, and actually know how to utilize the system. So um, credit to David, he's, <clears throat> it's worked there, right? And um, Denver's improved every year under it. So um, it's worked. He has served um, as the number two assistant again, behind Unseld and Malone. Um, now that Wes Unseld got the job in, um, in Washington, uh, David is now the number one, is the backup number one. Um, and so as Adelman says now, um, he's been really lucky. All the coaches he's worked for in the NBA, um, Flip, uh, Sam Mitchell, Frank Vogel, his dad, they've all trusted him and given him the opportunity to speak in front of the team, to have an impact. Um, and he says he also thinks that the players seeing that the coaching staffs believes in him and allows him, you know, more leeway. He thinks that the players then believe in, in what he's doing, um, that there's very much a trust there. Um, he says that he does try to incorporate his own style and voice, but yes, he does use his, there are plays from his dad that he, use, he uses in uh, Denver's offense. 
Um, That's cool. He's often credited with the offensive development again of Murray, Barton, Jokic. Um, him and Chris Finch have very much been um, uh, applauded for their Jokic development um, on the offensive end, Monty Morris, and basically every other Denver player that's been through um, the last four years. So, and Chris um, Finch was just, McNair's top choice, apparently, originally. Yes. Um, and he's, I, I, I don't know if I've, I mean, I'm probably have said this before in here, but he is known as like the big man savant where like, I've always said, Sam Mitchell was the guard whisper. <coughs> he's known around the league as the big whisper. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it in new Orleans with, um, um, Davis when Davis was there. And then when Boogie was there, um, and then they brought him over to Denver to do it with Jokic and then, um, Anthony Toronto had him, and then um, now uh, I think that's one of the reasons Minnesota probably hired him because of Towns. And so, yeah, Um, and it's working right now. And look at Jared Vanderbilt, right? A big who is, to me, it should be up there for most improved players. So um, again, yes. Um, So again, they've continued to get better individually and as a team um, while he's been there. Uh, Malone says that he very much should be. uh, a head coach. He has said this about Wes Unsfeld and said this the last three years. Anytime anyone asked him, he said David and Wes should be a head coach in those sleeps. So um, if you trust Malone's words, um, you know, there's, there's that. So um, David goes on to reference. Uh, obviously the head coach has the final say on everything. Um, and this was when Wes was still there, but Wes and I take a lot of responsibility of teaching through video sessions and walkthroughs. Um, he says his first three, uh, few years in the league, he was a guy, um, who usually did, uh, scouting. You did the scouting report every week for teams like most assistants. Um, but see, being much more in Denver, it's much more detailed. He's been able to introduce offense, give the offensive game plans. Um, he said, since it's a lot of responsibility, but he is also so appreciative of coach Malone that he trusts him and believes in him, um, to be able to implement that. So, um, again, it's, it's another young guy out there. Um, but again, it's just, as we always say, as I would say, there's no right or wrong guy on here. Um, it's just get the right one that fits what you're trying to do. And again, all of these names that I've been able to list everywhere the they've gone, right. Every, everywhere they've gone, it's, they end up going there because they fit some sort of style that that team is trying to bring in. Right. and it fits their players. So again, that's all that we're asking them to do here. Um, is so depending on whatever kind of moves they make at the deadline and in the off season, I'm going to keep giving these names, but please just (laughs) bring in people that work with, with, with what you're trying to, to trying to build and do. Um, and as even right. Yeah. And even as, uh, I was looking to listening to Becky Hammond, um, cause as we know, she just got the new head coaching gig, uh, for the aces and I'm super excited. Cause that was the team I adopted, um, since the monarchs, monarchs are gone. That's when they, when the aces became, um, their expansion team, I, uh, was all over it and that kind of became mine. So I'm happy that I have a team that Becky's now coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at least I get her that way, but she was saying, um, and her interview this last week is she's been watching film and, and doing all that. And obviously has been watching much more with a close eye, but she made sure to say, um, 
I can't fully set anything out until I actually get in there with those players and see them face to face. Cause she said, I'm not going to force something on them because I think that this works. Like if it doesn't work then I'm not going to force something that doesn't work them. I am going to get whatever I have to do to get the best of their abilities out in here. And I think all of the names that I've mentioned, they very much are stars in that realm of um, not forcing philosophies on anything, but um, finding what works for their, their roster and, uh, and implementing it. So (coughs) that's David Adelman for anyone that didn't know he was in the league or didn't know much about him or his history. Um, he's another young 40, um, exciting young name that, uh, if obviously if the Kings don't, don't hire him, um, I think he's in the next five years, I'll be shocked if he's, if he's not given an opportunity somewhere. And we get to, we would get to see some Rick Adelman, I'm sure at games in golden one, if his son were mm-hmm. to get hired, uh, a great fuel. And you know, Vivek's, you know, he, he's weak when it comes to those Sacramento legacy days. Those the ties to that era of Kings basketball. Yeah. He, he, he uh, he's susceptible to falling for that. But yeah, but again, he's, yes, he's a, he's a, uh, uh, legacy name for us, but, but again, he has spent, he's 11, he, he spent yeah. 11 years on the staff now. Not he's, like Divots. he's put in the work. Yeah. Not like Divots. So quick summary real quick of just reminding people. I think we've given five names. Uh, yeah, so we've given um, run them back for us. Sam Cassell, guard whisper. Sam Cassell and Kenny Atkinson were our first two. Right. Then we had Darvin Ham and Adrian Griffin, mm-hmm. and now we have David Adelman. Very good. It's a good list. And it would have been Becky, but she's she's gone. She would have been yes. five. And, that would have been five and six for us. But so, at least I got her in one place. <laughs> yep. We're all happy for Becky. Uh, she'll end up making that jump to the NBA once uh, she wins a bunch. It'll of, happen. Has yeah. a bunch of success with the with the Ace Shoal. And the, and that was part of her thing was I can't. I want to be a head coach. Doesn't matter where. But in all her interviews, they kept telling her like, "Well, you haven't been a head coach yet." But it's like, how how am I going to get that experience if you don't give it to me? So she said, "Well, now I can say I've been a head coach. Like right. you can't you can't tell me I haven't now." That's so, a stupid interview question. Kudos too. to her. Yeah. You see that in the job field where, you know, I get a lot of kids my age making They're jokes. hiring ex If it was the Blazers that said that to her. Yeah. It's not like Billups had been a head no. coach either. So no. again, like it's, yeah. No, it's like the college kid with the degree coming out, trying to get a job and he's qualified right. and he's smart. And they're like, well, you have no experience. It's like, well, you're supposed <laughs> to give me the experience. How I am I supposed to get it? <laughs> yeah. I was in school at Harvard getting a degree in economics. So how, yeah, yeah this the whole system's fucking flawed, but good list, yep. Jill. Um, I like all of those, you know, you know, each time you say a name, there's not been one where I'm like, uh, uh it's a good, and they're diverse. Um, they're, each of those guys yep. are a little different than the other. And I, as I always say, this is a good reminder of what's on other people's benches as well. <laughs> so it's a good reminder of what other, you know, the, the good things that other teams, um, have around them. Yes. So there's a lot yes. of good is, you know, and I think it's more so as a Kings fan, cause we had Luke Walton, who was just so underqualified and not a good coach. But you look around, you hear all these names of guys that are potential candidates and available. It's crazy. It's a crazy amount of talented coaches, most of whom are young and are still waiting that for that first chance. While Walton was, of course, on a second chance. And it's just, uh, you know, I can't wait to get to that point where that 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 new young guy comes in and and gets their chance in Sacramento. You know, and and as much as we want, some people might want the, you know, uh, let's say the Terry Stotts. 
or the Mighty and Tony, you know, other things. I mean, even exit, I could see if he does truly want another shot. Um, you you might not be able to get that just because of what you're working with. Like we always hope, like, I mean, again, you still go after them the same way they went after the Adam Simons and the Bobby Webster's for the GM search. They said they were removing their names, but again, you still put it out there for them. You right. make them, you make them say no. Right. Um, and so I have no doubt that, you know, obviously they'll be asking these guys. Um, but it's also just good to know that it's not always a shoe in. Um, yes, there are, you know, 30, 30 jobs out there, but for some of these guys that have been there for years and has had these jobs, they can be picky if they don't, I mean, if they want to come back or don't want to come back. So, but some of the younger ones can't always be picky if they want that first shot. So no, there's, um, you just never know. There's 30 teams, but there's not going to obviously be 30 openings. You have coaches that are not going to go anywhere until they're ready to go. Like Popovich, uh, Budenholzer probably has that now winning the title with Milwaukee, uh, Nick Nurse, you know, there's there's guys that yeah. their spots aren't going to be open anytime soon. Sacramento's that you know exception where it's open every yeah, coach. you know, and I have a hard time seeing Minnesota let go of Finch because of what they're doing right now. Is that a talk they that have, they're having? They have well, they have new ownership, so again, oh, you don't yeah. know. Like, and that yeah. that A-Rod is what comes said in when and they fucks took things up. when I was talk when they said when they took over, like relationships too. I mean, it's, it'll be interesting. And if he becomes available, if that truly was his guy, you know, you never know. So again, sure. it's, I mean, we see firings all the time that we're just like, we thought it might happen, but like, really? Like, right. Right. I mean, it wasn't the smartest thing. So again, you, we just never know. So. And it's going to be, as we're on the topic of coaching, going to be for the NFL. Cause we were, this was an NFL episode as well. Going to be a busy next week. Well, the rest of the month, you know, till we get to the yep. Super Bowl, and then probably after, if it's a guy on the, one of those staffs, um, for there's a lot of head coaching openings in the NFL this year. I think most more than in recent memory, uh, and so yeah, and Sean Payton might now apparently not return to New Orleans. He's still thinking about whether he wants to come back and and you know have to work with a rookie quarterback. So you're gonna get a lot of head coaching things in the NFL too. It's gonna be chaos. Um, yeah. Oh, so man, the Heat just took times. over for first in the. First in the East. I just looked at that. And Sixers are down to six now. Again, things are going to get interesting. Things might be dropping know. the way they need to. The Sixers Literally have the same dropping. record as the Hornets. Huh? And Boston. Boston gets desperate. Again, you just don't know. You don't know. The New desperate teams York, are the most unpredictable. New York, they could be trying to work more. The Hawks, they've won four in a row. But again, could the Hawks be desperate? I could could they could you get a Jalen Johnson or you know something else you know could you package something would they want a more a Harrison Barnes like a you know another name with with Bogey being hurt again could they send him back I'm just saying I don't know there's there's things crazy things could happen I like it, you just I like never it Jill. Know. spin the wheels someone's got to do it uh, good Sunday episode first one in the books for the two of us on the uh, Sports Ethos podcast. And uh, it was a full, full one. We had a lot. Of, we had a lot to talk about. So I'm glad we covered some ground. Again, guys, uh, the schedule is going to be kind of inconsistent. My fault, not Jill's. Uh, we'll get on when we can. And again, we're hoping for some action in the trades so that it'll force us to get on and talk. Realistically, if something happens. We'll yeah. Yeah. We'll be realistically, there. I don't think anyone really wants to listen to us talk after the Kings lose to the Pistons. You know, like <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't want to listen to me. Uh, what is there to say? But. We'll, there'll be a lot to say here soon, and we'll be sure to come on and talk about it. So 
Thank you guys for listening. Have a good week ahead of you. Go Niners. I'll say it. I'll say it. I hope that doesn't jinx it. Um, my, my bad juju. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening, guys. Slater, dudes.